Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I welcome you to Wow, what a show. This is the live podcast outreach of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. I am your host, Phyllis, and we are presently in a series titled Apples of Gold, reading through the Proverbs. Wow, it has been a good journey and it has been a constant journey one that it feels like i never quite get off but nonetheless i have been so extremely blessed to have done this uh and i'm so glad that i that i did the lord has blessed us immensely are reminding us in short wisdom spurt the overall picture of our salvation and causing us to dig deep into the crevices of our own being, not someone else's, not a general statement about somebody else, but a very specific one about ourselves and make us look in and actually really begin to assess who we are and how we shall continue. You know, the Lord is very serious about uh, the salvation of his people. He's very serious that we should become the sons of God. He really is. And there are no, you know, bones about it. There's no mistaking the fact that you and me have inherited this amazing uh, station in the kingdom of God and in eternal life. And therefore, we should take it equally serious. The Lord is after a pure heart. And he says he will come back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That means then that we better get busy scrubbing up, right? Letting the word of God really, really, really cleanse us. Good evening, Sister Reams. And hello, Brother Tony. Bless you. I'm so glad that you are here. We're going to could pick up and continue in uh, our reading with uh, chapter 25. But before we do that, or as a prelude to that, I want to go back to chapter 22 and pick up at verse 17. I want to read from there just a bit for you. Solomon writes, Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. 
they shall withal be fitted in thy lips, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to you this day, even to you, have not I written to you excellent things in counsel and knowledge, that I might make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you might answer the words of truth to them that send for you. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, neither oppress the afflicted in the gates. For the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoiled them. And he goes on with the end of uh, his Proverbs there. And remember again that when we first started Proverbs, I told you that most of the Proverbs are definitely from Solomon, but there is a section of wise words from other wise men. Good evening, light touch. Bless your bones. Thank you so much for being here. There is, and um, in in which case, right, we we found out that they go from 17, right there where I left off and started into the next group uh, from verse 22 through chapter 24. Now, these are not attributed to Solomon himself, but are the um, words uh, and gatherings of er other otherwise men. How many? I don't think I know, but they are called the 30 Proverbs, even though they are more than that. So we're going to pick up tonight with where Solomon begins again and watch the reading of, of, um, of the beginning of this chapter. Uh, pay attention. Hold on one second. I'm trying to do something there. There we go. Um, so we pick up with chapter 25, and he starts, or the writer starts, these are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. See, there it is. So we pick, we end there in verse uh, chapter 22, and we're moving now back into the wise words of Solomon. So from there, let's continue to read. Let's go. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. The heavens for height and the earth for depth, and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. <clears throat> For better it is that it be said unto thee, Come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I don't know why I get so hoarse like this when I first start to talk. But nonetheless, bear with me. Forgive me. And I will keep going, but I, I don't want to keep going. Actually, I want to group these and talk about them in the groups as we approach them. So uh, from two um, to two and three, right? Uh, the glory of God is to conceal a thing, 
but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Now, here's the difference. This morning, Anna did such a good job on this, and you know, sometimes I want to repeat and can't remember, so I'll go. I'll go my own way here. Uh, God does not expose us to the world. We do that for ourselves. When we come to the Lord, He. The Bible says in the Psalms, separates your sins from him as far as the east is from the west, and he doesn't remember them anymore. Isn't that a beautiful thing? He does not remember our sins anymore. Once we enter into his love and his keeping care, once we become the born again children of the kingdom of God that we are, that matter is settled. Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing. There is no other personality that you will ever know or meet. No love that you can ever feel like the love God feels and has for us. And a good thing really and truly that he does feel, but his feelings are not in front of his knowledge, his wisdom, his plan. It's amazing. God is so amazing. But now a king a king, and we want him to do this in the earth because we are, you know, these fallen creatures and we want people to suffer for the things that they do. We want people to be caught if they are wrong because they will continue to do wrong. So the king has to search out a matter. Let's think of that in terms of judges, you know, and lawyers and all that stuff. And sometimes they're searching them out really does not prove out the truth of a thing, but they search it out. And that is their job, by the way, to search out a matter. So um, the, the comparison here is heaven for height and the earth for depth. And the heart of a king is an unsearchable thing because that king is human just like the rest of us. And the heart is desperately wicked. So says the word of God. Who can know it? His heart is desperately wicked and your heart is mine. And, and until the Lord gives you a new heart of flesh, we are that's our condition. So that is uh, my take there. Uh, in chapter, uh, verse 4 says, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his strong shall be established in righteousness. And so these are are on two different uh, uh, kind of subjects, but kind of the same, um, what do you call that, uh, mm, expo exposition. It's kind of the same thing. If you, from a, from a, uh, the finer is the silversmith, the, the, you know, the, the person who makes things out of metal. If you remove the dross, the, 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 unusable parts of the silver after it's melted down and all of that the the pot the the finer there can create a beautiful vessel right and in the same way if you take wicked wicked people from before the king who would then be his advisors and who would help who would even probably try to chop his head off if they wanted his position now you know that that's the kind of the old way to do things uh the new way to do things is to lie and to um uh slander and to lead people to believe falsities about people in power there are overthrows i don't know if you ever said saw um 
what was it? Uh, House of Cards. Ooh, Lord, if you never saw the British version of that, there is an American version, but the British version shows you the intrigue. Not going behind, you know, even there was, I think there was a, a murder or two, but the intrigue in that man taking over, and this is set in modern times. It was unbelievable. And the uh, the series never, ever brings that man into accountability. So if you take away the wicked, a, a, a president or a, a monarch or a, you know, whatever else they have, a dictate, whoever it is, the, the, the kingdom could be established. But the problem is in the world, that is so surely, surely almost impossible because there's so much corruption. And I do not, I'm not one to believe that everybody in government is corrupt. I don't believe that. I believe that some people go in government to do really good and they stand their ground and they stand their ground to their own detriment because because sometimes they don't get voted back in. Jimmy Carter was such a man. And while he was in there, oh my goodness, the people talked about the man and talked about the man. But when he was gone and to, uh, a couple of presidents later, uh, now we hear of the good that Jimmy Carter was trying to do. But because there is evil around you and because so many people do not want to see another prosper, that is the human condition before salvation and sometimes in salvation, sometimes before the Lord God really cleans up a man. Let me tell you, he brings that old stuff with him. And some of the same things that we experience in a world without God, we experience within what we call church, these local assemblies. And our pastor preached Sunday on uh, from the book of um, uh, Ezekiel. Who was it? Hosea, I'm sorry. Hosea, who God ordered to take a wife who was a harlot. She was a prostitute. And that was a demonstration of Israel's response to God. Her unfaithfulness to Hosea was the demonstration of uh, Israel's unfaithfulness to God. And by the way, he calls us whores and prostitutes when we're not faithful because we go off and we are having affairs with the idols of the world, the temporal and we are not faithful. I think it's an amazing thing. And the main point that he brought out in that sermon was that the Lord God sees it all and there is a consequence to it. Finally, he told Israel, "You will. I will have no mercy on you. I withdraw myself from you. I leave you to yourself. And believe it or not, that is also written in the New Testament. It's exactly that. When the uh, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, and I, I I think it's which one? It may be Second Corinthians. It may be, I don't I can't I can't call it right now. But he he withdraws. He tells the church to withdraw from a an unfaithful member and let the devil have him, so that his soul will be saved in the end. Because if you ever taste of the sweetness of the Lord and you go back and get entangled with that evil, you know, just hopefully 
you'll come to your good senses or a man will come to his good senses or I will come to my good senses and come back to Christ and be saved after all. That that is the condition of men. So when you take away wickedness, a king's uh, uh, administration or a president or whoever it is, it can be established and it can be established in righteousness. Okay, so uh, now verse six and seven says, put forth thyself in the presence of the king. Don't put yourself forth in the presence of the king and stand not in the place of great men. For better it is that it be said unto you, come up hither, than you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Simply stated, I think Jesus Christ says, don't desire the upper places. You know, be humble even in where you position yourself in an assembly. Let those who would be haughty and proud do what they do, and they will always take the the first seats. But sit back, hold back, stand back, be at the back, and allow your good deeds, your faithfulness to God, allow your very character to be seen and the Lord will exalt you and then nobody can put you back. But see, if we run forward and think that we are, you know, worthy of the upper chambers and the, you know, the first row and the pews and this, all of that. It could be said of you as you are, you know, being who you are, this seat is reserved for someone else. And so you could be put back and that's not a good thing. Right. I was a dancer and I took many an audition <clears throat> and uh, you go into the auditions. Right. And oh, my goodness, the scramble for the front lines, the scramble to be seen. It was there because those dancers who came in and thought they were all that and really good wanted the first place. They wanted they wanted the auditioners to see them and not see the people in the back. Because that's what happens when you're on the front lines. And by the time, ooh, you know, they were so crowded, so many people in there, right? Sometimes by the time the back line gets forward, the people who are running the audition are just tired of looking. I would have been. <laughs> but there are times when, even if you're in the back, you can be seen because you're that good, you see. And you will stand out even beyond what, they're seeing on those front lines, even if you're in the back and you will be asked to come to the front. You will be asked to run some phrases. You will be used by those who are conducting that class or the audition, whatever it is, to demonstrate techniques or choreographic phrases. I've seen it happen. It has happened to me. And that's how the Lord wants us to work, with humility. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. For God gave us all what we have. And if we have it, he will place us. He says he'll exalt you in due season. Just humble yourself, right? So here we go. Uh, so verse 8 says, "Go, uh, uh, do not go forth hastily to strive, lest you... Uh, know not what to do in the end thereof when your neighbor has put thee to shame. 
uh, debate that cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret uh, by another. Now, this morning, I I'm glad Anna did this one because I'm, I'm not quite sure. Just reading, I'm going, what, what, what? <laughs> Where am I here? I need some little, uh, little help. But her, her, her um, explanation was an eye opener for me. She says, don't run hastily to debate your cause because someone may come behind you with a, with a better demonstration of what really has happened and then you will be found out. And if you have a, a cause against a neighbor, wait, wait. And then, you know, make sure that you know what's going on and then go out and speak straight to your neighbor. And um, don't be, you know, trying to uh, dispute the thing before you do know. And let's see, let's see hear it, it put thee to shame and your um, infamy won't be turned away. So you get known as the person who is like, you know, flying off the handle and doing whatever you want to do when you want to do it and all that stuff. That's kind of the the context here. And and I want to, to actually, let's see, verse 10, verse 11. Oh, I'm in verse, I'm, I, I, wrong chapter again, y'all. I'm good for that. I'll come back to it if I if I discover that there is more to say, okay? But that was, I liked her explanation. Uh, in, in other words, you're going hastily to strive with someone. If you don't know what to do in the end, you know, like, so some people go up and they have a big, big voice. I'm going to, you know, so-and-so, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden you get punched in the face. <laughs> And you really can't fight. <laughs> so what are you going to do in that case? <laughs> right? That's kind of the text, uh, the, the meaning there. So let's move on. <clears throat> uh, 11. Now, this is wonderful. I love this, you see, because, and you're going to know why. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Ah, there it is. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Isn't that beautiful? Now, this is just poetry to my ears. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. That's just beautiful. And um, that is the, the title. That's how we've titled this series. Because these proverbs are words fitly spoken. They are spoken with the right tone at the right time to the right people. And we as hearers see them and their value. And we thank God for the beauty. See, it, why do people get mad when you tell them what's wrong with them? You know, I've contemplated that. Why do, why do, why do you get mad? Why do scoffers hate you, right? Because they cannot bear the fact that something is not is, is wrong with them or that they're not right about absolutely everything. There is not a person born who's absolutely right about not even, oh my gosh, one 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 the silly millimeter of the things, because we don't know enough to be right about everything. We must grow and learn. 
And when we gather knowledge to ourselves, we then have to gather understanding. And once we have a bit of understanding, we can then apply what we know to the context of the situation we are in and thereby we have gained knowledge. And it's, it's, it's a flux. Without the spirit of God, who would be wise? Tell me. Solomon had all this wisdom, but did he ever get understanding? I have to keep asking myself that question. He had understanding when he wrote this back to his son because now he sees some things. Now contextually, he has applied the knowledge that God gave him to his own situation. And now wisdom pours forth for Solomon. Hitherto, it was pouring forth for other people because he wasn't applying it the way I see Solomon's life anyway. And that's really about what it is. You know, when I think back up when I was in high school and I could really speak French, and this is the honest to goodness truth, I lie not to you. I was the prize of, you know, I was the best student really in French. Now, I didn't always make the A's, but I was really the top-notch student. And the teachers knew it. They knew it, right? Uh, and I didn't really know it, though, you see? So I had this knowledge, but I wasn't like really applying it. I didn't kind of really, you know, go off and say, I'm going to speak fluent French. I'm I wanted to be an interpreter, but it was way after I, I left college the first time. And then I looked back and I knew how much I loved the language. And then, but you know what? Sometimes it's too late to turn back. If I had had the good sense, which the Proverbs told us before, to buckle down, you know, I knew I kind of had it, you know, and this kind of thing. I, I didn't struggle almost with anything, really. Even if I didn't make a good grade, I didn't call myself struggling with it. That was a lack of understanding. I didn't understand. And today, you know, I keep taking French classes. I just keep taking them because I really do want to speak the language. But silly me, I went on to dance. You know, I started, you know, merrily going. I wrote a poem. I'll tell you about that one day. <laughs> you just go happily on, you know, until the road begins to take you somewhere you didn't plan to go, right? That's kind of this, uh, the meaning here. Make sure that we apply our hearts and see the beauty of a word fitly spoken. See the value of a word fitly spoken because it is really precious. And just like a good name is more precious than rubies and diamonds, so it is when we heed sound instruction and wisdom. When we learn to obey and follow that which affirms the very life that we are searching for, by the way. Okay, so verse 13, I could stay there, but you know, we'll go on. As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him for he refreshes the soul of his masters. So as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that sent him, for he refreshes the soul 
of his masters. Isn't that amazing? Like the, the cold of snow is very refreshing. Now, I guess in time of harvest, maybe it was a hot season there. I don't know. I should have checked that one out because that's new and improved too. Um, this subject appears uh, in other Proverbs. So this guy says uh, it is either a reference to one's remembrance of the cold of snow or to some device by which it was really available. Visitors to Monticello, the home of Jefferson, will remember the deep cistern where ice, uh, which was stored in winter, was available the year round. And that might be what it is uh, when, when, when in a hot season, because harvest time is usually warm, and if in that season you had the refreshing of the cold of snow, it is compared to a messenger, a faithful messenger, to anyone who would send him because the receiving of the information that he brings is a refreshing to the soul of those who receive it. And I suppose, you know, like if we were faithful, and the Lord could send us with his message. That message is received as a refreshing, cool stream. In any way, there's a, there's a reference in the Bible that says, I will, um, what is it? Mm, something, oh my gosh, it won't come to me. The latter rain, um, th there will be a latter rain. And the latter, we know the latter rains uh, ensure the harvest. So maybe that is the fullness of that reference there us being messengers of the word of God to those who are waiting to hear a word of hope and deliverance and salvation. Okay, verse 14, whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Ooh, that's amazing. Whoever boasts himself of a false gift, right? the untrue, the thing that is um, like, uh, maybe maybe it's even a, a bribe, I don't know, but a wind, uh, what is it, what does it say here? It's like clouds and wind without rain. Now, clouds and wind without rain, we kind of just have been through that, right? The, the temperature is hot as July jam and the clouds overhang and it's muggy as all get out. And the wind is blowing and we are being pounded with this hot air and no refreshing from the rain. There's no release of that thick moisture. That's how I see this. Whosoever boasts himself of a false gift. The gift is not a true gift, but you boast in it. It could be your detriment. And there he is the comparison. By 15, by long forbearing is a prince persuaded and a soft tongue breaketh the bones. <laughs> now that one is cute. <laughs> a prince may be persuaded by patience and a soft tongue may break down solid bone. Jesus may have had this in mind when he spoke of the unjust judge. And remember in Luke 18, he says, um, you can, uh, the, 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 the con this is what we call prevailing prayer. When, when you continuously ask, even an unjust judge will finally give in. So that's kind of that context there, or the, 
the meaning. Praise the Lord. Verse 16, have you found, honey, eat so much as sufficient for thee, lest you be filled and vomited out? Mm. This is about gluttony. I just really do think it is. When people overeat in anything, they overeat honey. Okay, honey is used here. But I think honey is a metaphor for all pleasures. For for, for food, for uh, you know, lust, for partying, for drink, for drugs, for um too much work, for I think it is I think that's this the, the attainment of temporal stuff, you know, cars and clothes. You know, what, what who was she? Don't cry for me, Argentina. That song. Good truth is I never left you. It's about the princes uh, or a queen or something of one um a, a country. Argentina. Argentina. A vita. Thank you. I like it. Light touching those girl. All you have to do is say a word, and and Gab's got <laughs> she's got the song for it. Listen, this and what did she have? She had how many pairs of shoes? The girl was on. I mean, how how many pairs of shoes can you wear, right? Before they're outdated and gone. But she was when when that uh, musical came out, her story was out. And they talked about how she had taken all this money from the country and she had all these shoes. I mean, shoes upon shoes. I can't even remember how many pairs of shoes that they exposed her to have. That's the thing. And what happened? She was caught up with because she took the money and the people turned against us. And that's why the song is Don't Cry For Me. Uh, or maybe she died or something. I can't remember. Anybody know the story? Help me out there. Yeah. All the, the excess of life will cause you to vomit it out. Eventually, you will not be able to, to stand it anymore because it will turn on you. You just cannot go about reaping to yourself one lust after another and think that there is no consequence. And by the way, where does it come? What are you looking for when you do that? What you're trying to find will not come. And what, what you are trying to get rid of will multiply itself in your life. So if you're looking for happiness, it's not coming. You'll just get more and more disappointed because the things will not satisfy. Ultimately, there is but one who satisfies and that is the Lord our God. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and hate thee. <laughs> I tell you, my mama used to say that to us. Do not, don't you be found in somebody's house all the time. Don't do it. And um, I did have a friend who used to come to my house. I don't have a degree in library science because this friend of mine would come to my house unannounced almost every weekend. And it happened for several years. Well, when I say several, maybe two or three. I was trying to write my, um, my, my you know, the master's paper project. I would have been a published library science degree holder, if that means anything, I don't know. And I wanted to do it so bad. But I was also um, pregnant with my uh third child and was sick. I was always sick and pregnant. So I couldn't go out during the week because I was home with the children. And then on the weekend when I would have gone to the library, here she would come. 
and my whole life was tied up in that bundle. Just constantly, constantly. And after a while, what you want to say is, please don't come. Please don't come, right? Uh, I never did say it because she was going through some very difficult things. She was having a little fun in the middle, but still, uh, and, and that's happened. Then I had another friend who, uh, <laughs> she was at my house one day. She really didn't wear me out like that. But her mom called in and told her to get herself out of my house. <laughs> that's that old Southern way. You know, you just don't do. But the South has a code, honey, that is very confident. The con the constancy uh, of knowing what to do and when to do it. We are raised with it. So when people come back and they tell me, oh, Southern hospitality, you can go anywhere. And people actually come in and sit down. And, and I said, okay, well, let me tell you this, just so you know the next time you go. When you knock on someone's door unannounced and they ask you to come in, the, the, the old Southern way is you say, no, thank you. Or if you need to go in, you go in. But you don't sit down. You won't sit down until they say, have a seat, please. And then you sit down. And then if they say, could I get you something? Your answer is no, thank you. Seriously, y'all, this is Southern. This is Southern. Ethic. This is what we know. And every Southerner that I ever knew, knew this. So going to somebody's house unannounced, a no, no. Going in the house, trust me when I tell you going in the house, when you open the door, you don't go in the house, right? And you sure enough don't have a seat until you're asked. And you don't call people by their first names until they say, you may call me. See, there's an ethic there. So uh, this one to me makes me laugh because it is in keeping with the way I was raised. And all these little functions where you go and they were there were uh, potlucks and that sort of thing. Now, listen, people love to eat, even in the South. But in my household, you better not come home with anything wrapped up in a plate. My mom would tell you quick, like in a hurry, do not, do not bring it home. And by the way, have one small portion and get out, right? Yes, that's how it is in the South, the South that I grew up in. And truck with my grand really did live this out. She surely did. She really did. Now, guess what, too? She fed many a group of people. She fed a lot of folks. And I mean, uh, the neighbor's children could always eat at my house. Because mother knew their condition and she was a giving, per my, pa my parents were givers. But um, the thing is, she wouldn't allow us to, to do that, right? And so, <laughs> I may call in later, okie dokie. So, now I, I want to go on. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. Isn't that something? You know what it is. The, when I hear the word "mall," I just, all I can think about is a big bear jumping on on a, a little man and mauling his face all to pieces, or a lion getting a uh, hold of somebody and just that's what a uh, 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 that's what that is. Isn't that something? A man that bears false witness, and we, let me tell you, there are many who do it, and they are so evil. You go and tell something on somebody, good manners, 
oh, thus is how I was raised also, even though I have violated that with my dear friend. Stop it. You have never, oh my gosh, you don't even come in the house. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> um, exactly. Good manners speak a lot. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I love the way you all chime in. It makes it makes it for it makes lighter to hear some of this stuff. But listen, that uh, a false witness. Ooh, 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 ooh. Listen, you know what? If you want to, if you want to tell something, uh, please at least tell the truth. Do not. And let me tell you, it's hard to know the truth because behind every action, there is a reaction to something else. So the action is not necessarily a telltale or, you know, an unveiling of what really happened. We have to be very careful. We must be very careful. I I was in the uh, AV box up there on Sunday and so much was going on at one time. I stood up and I said, I am screaming. I am just screaming. And inside I was, too much was happening at the same time and it was too close to the time to be organized and sitting down calmly, right? And the assumption from the choir was that something actually had happened to me, which, it, you know, it wasn't much different than any other time. But for some reason, Sunday, I'm saying, ah, I was really wanting to say, let me out. <laughs> and that's so, but you see what I'm saying? My, I was in reaction. They saw the action and thought they really knew what had happened, but they really didn't. And I know they didn't. So when I go in tomorrow night, I will have to say that because there was another person involved and I don't want them to walk in thinking that they had done something to me. They had not, but there was just too much going on at the same moment. That's all that was, right? So we have to be really careful. And I didn't have time to straighten it out because we were on the dime. We were right there. You know, we were at the time when we had to um, sit down and and organize and do what we have to do. So confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> you better listen. Confidence in somebody that you have, you cannot, you can't trust them. If you if you put your confidence there, you're going to be greatly disappointed because people who cannot be trusted are definitely thinking about who they're thinking about themselves. So if they tell you, oh, I'll be there or yes, you can count on me or, oh, I will, you know, I'm going to give you this. Right. No, 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 no. Just don't even go there. And they might come through, but the likelihood of them coming through is slim to none. So you will be disappointed. And, and that's just a, this is the good sense that the, that chapter that we uh, read is all about. This is good sense. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather and as vinegar upon uh, nitra, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. And I, I, I better check this one out. I, I had this question this morning. I just wasn't sure about what it is they want us to take from that because I would think vinegar, a song to a heavy heart ought to help lift it. I don't know. But you know what? I know someone who used to sing songs when they had a heavy heart and they would just get heavier. Singing gay songs to a heavy heart is like uh, 
disrobing a man on a cold day or adding sour wine to soda. You know, it fizzes up and it, 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 you know, it breaks it down. Again, this deals with something that is not appropriate and that will not be appreciated. I see, so the songs are gay songs. Yes, I think that <laughs> can make it worse. Yeah, that's, that's what it means. It makes it worse. Yes, it makes it worse. So now my, my friend is writing um, a, a book and, and she's, oh my goodness, the, 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 the brilliance that's coming out of this book is just astounding me. But what she talks about a true friend and the one point she makes, and I can't give away all, but she says a good friend, a true friend will understand your pain even though you do not give details and will sit with you and say nothing. No advice. No, why did you, none of these questions. They're, they're willing to be there and just wait. Now I'm learning that because I always want to fix the thing you see. So I'll keep going. Well, well, why did you do that? Or what in the world caused you that? No, 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 no. You just want to, you just want to wait. And that's why I don't like for people to come see me in the hospital when I'm in full of pain. I just don't want you to ask me how I'm feeling because I'm saying my face is all wrecked and torn. My hair is all out of place. I am moaning and groaning to myself. I just can't even tell you. <laughs> Hi there, Danielle Holosite. Thank you for joining us. And I didn't say to Truck Jewels and and to Re, uh, Sister Reams and to Light Touch and to Tony. You guys delight my very heart. Thank you for being here. And Sister Amy, how lovely, really great. Listen, we are in fellowship around a table set by almighty God. These little morsels, these morsels, these they're not even morsels, child. This is every one of these proverbs is a, a whole meal served up, right? And we could just sit there and munch. I loved going to dinner at my friend's house because you start dinner at just about six or seven and you didn't end dinner until about two or three in the morning. Isn't that amazing? And just the meal, he could cook up a good storm and we just had a ball. And the eating was not continuous, you see. In a French meal, you eat the first course and then you chat a while and you might dance a bit you come back for the second course then you may get up for sure and take a walk or talk and you know do some more of the same and then you come back for that uh that dessert course and you get up and you walk it off right and you come back for the cheese and you move around. It's amazing. And the salad, the salad is the last thing, right? In in his house. So he 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 flipped that a little bit. But he said the salad is light and you can by that time you don't need anything heavy. We used to have a ball, and that's what sitting at Proverbs is like. You can just have a ball. It is good. You eat the first course, you move about, you talk, you laugh. You eat the second course, the same process. And when you're finished, you're not heavy. You're not heavy. Because see, you've you've masticated, you've uh, pondered over it, you've dealt with it, you've moved and let it help you out. You see, you've exercised it, and then the final course is usually the last verse or somewhere in the middle of it. We probably go back to apples of gold. There, it's light, and now you can go and rest without the bother of indigestion and all that. Right, your head is clear, even though. You have had to chew on some things. 
you had a good steak in there somewhere, or you had a uh, a wonderful coke de vin, a coco vin, a coco vin, we and all of that. So it's good, you see, but you're not heavy. The Lord does not break us into pieces. He said, he who falls on the rock shall be broken, but on whom the rock falls, you'll be ground to pieces. He, that, that grinding, that's not what we're doing. We're falling on the rock, you see, and we are going to be broken. That stuff that is not good is going to be, uh, you know, cleansed on out of us, but we will not be ground to pieces. May he be praised forever and ever. God is really good. He knows exactly what he's doing. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For you shall heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord shall reward you. Ooh, now that's a lot right there, right? Give him whatever he needs. Remember on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, do good to them who despitefully use you. Pray for your enemies. All that is in there, right? You know, Sister Reem says, I have no socks on. My toes are exposed. My chin hairs leave. <laughs> and I may be drooling my breath a wee bit stale. Please don't come to this. Oh, my gosh. Now, Sister Reem, that was way back there. How are you talking about when you're in the hospital? Later, the truth, girl. You don't want to be, yeah. You don't want to be exposed like that. That's all right. Stay home and, and pray for me, or, or at least call and let me know you're coming. Then I'll get up and try to make it better. But nonetheless, right? Oh, so this one: give the enemy. Be good to those enemies. That's hard, guys. This is a stake right here, you know, and it's kind of tough. You got to chew on this one a bit. Do good to them. Give them whatever is needed if you have it and if it's in your power to do so. Show them the love of God. And the Bible says he will heap coals of fire upon their head and he will reward you. See, this is God is mm, mm, he's different. He's different than what I'm thinking and what uh, the world thinks. His way is not the same. And he has a real good handle on just what everybody needs. He sees, he hears, he knows. And then the north wind drives away rain. So does an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. Now, yeah, there it is. Self-explanatory. I won't even go into that. It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Child, that my husband can talk to you about it. It's the sure enough truth. And listen, I finally heard him and I said, okay, Lord, it's time for change. It is so changed. A little bit of Christian humor. Uh, Sister Reams is a comedian of the best sort. And that's right. It made me laugh. And, and Sister Amy says, oh, my, me too. It is by no means pretty when I'm in the hospital. <laughs> you got it, girls. But you know what? Now we're going to change because people do want to, they, they really want to help you out. And truly, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So when we're in the hospital, we really shouldn't go in the corner, you know, and hide and all that stuff. Get up and, and wash your face as if when you're fasting, you know, comb your hair through all the pain 
and just be as pretty as you can. I went to see my friend today and before, um, I, I, I don't want to tell on her, but anyway, her eyes are phenomenal. She, her eyes are beautiful and she has gorgeous hair anyway. So the hair is just out on the pillow, right? And she's just, she almost was in, in, in tears. She had so much pain, but she was pretty. And I'm saying that's a good thing because then I looked at her and I would say, you're just so beautiful. You just look so good. And she would, uh, a chuckle would come forth. Now, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The Proverbs knows all about a contentious, <laughs> a contentious woman. That's right, child. A contentious woman. Yeah, we ought to be so. And let me tell you now, in it, you know, I, I'm on the woman's side because I am a woman. And and a lot of times that contention is coming out of out of some real slack, you know. And women just have a way about them. I think it's because we have to raise children. We kind of sometimes think we have to raise everybody, but we really don't. You know, the work is the Lord's, and we have to show um, we have to show our faith by allowing whatever to be to be and to speak to it with a soft word, which turns away wrath, by the way. And then sometimes we just have to leave a thing alone. You know, I don't care how much it irritates you. You just have to say, okay, not today. I'm, I'm not going, I'm not doing that today, right? And the Lord uh, will will eventually make us everything we're trying to be, praise the Lord. <laughs> Chuck George, you know, he did this. He knows all about a contentious woman. He all he knows all about a foolish man too, you know. <laughs> this is good. Just saying, you should not miss, what mishandle woman because not our women, delicate creatures, all humans, but especially women. Yes, all of us are. And all of us uh, need to be uh, treated with a respect and and we need to forbear as Christ does uh, waiting for changes to come and sometimes the the change comes in in us you know we've been teaching and cajoling and pushing and tugging and trying to get it to happen you just settle down start to pray speak softly let it be water on the duck's back and God will fix uh, you eventually it will happen and then things also will change okay so um as cold water to a thirsty soul so is good news from a far country absolutely yeah that's self-explanatory a righteous man falling down before the wicked is a as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring yeah no yeah, righteous men falling down before uh, 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 the wicked. No, we don't do we see, but but we do do that, and that's not a good thing because look at that, look at that. The comparison, uh, it is like um, a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. I suspect that means that it, you know, as thirsty as you might get, you can't drink from it because it's contaminated. Right? That's what that looks like. So we don't want to, don't be found that. Live an upright and, and pleasant life so that the Lord our God is always glorified. The yielding of the righteous man here is a reference to one who is forced to yield, just as corrupted source of water for community brings sorrow to them all. So the tragic overthrow of a righteous man 
is a heartache to the surrounding neighbors and friends. That's the commentaries take on that. And here we get, it is a good, it is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. How many people is it that, you know, they just can't get enough of saying who they are and how wonderful they are and what they've done. They're just always, you know, now that's a Southern thing to cliques. Oh, my Lord. Listen. Oh, you know, in fact, I was out with my sister once and we were we were with these very highly educated folks of mine, your friends. And uh, what they talked about, what they got you to say is, oh, where did you go to school? And what job, what what do you do for a living? And oh, how many children, what are your children doing? You see what I'm saying? That constant. And, they, they, and they, of course, they're telling you all the time what's going on with theirs, you see. Yeah. So it is that um, uh, searching out your own glory, you know, exalting yourself in the hearing of others, making yourself look like you are all that and then some. I'm telling you, this is a disease in a country where uh, education is such a, an idol. It's an idol. Just people going, to, you know, but money is a greater one than that. You know, uh, when you when you're around uh, college professors, oh, that's a big deal. Now, they don't make all that much money, but what they have status, they have standing, you know, they are revered. But then you around people who really have a lot of money and they, too. Uh, but I don't find them to be quite as uh, braggadocious. You know, they just flaunt it where well, they are, but they do it in a different way. You know, my friend who was my piano tutor talked about how he would just go out to the bars and just you know, set up people all day and would leave in that bar. He said thousands of dollars and not even miss it. He had uh, he was an arranger for Elvis Presley. And he had a 12, you know, every every gold record that Elvis had, he also had it. This is how people live. And then how about this? He also lost it. But his wife, I hope. Oh, where is he? I won't call his name. But his wife had actually taken out of his pockets and put away in a closet enough money to when the tax came, the tax people came and just you know took all the money. They came. Uh, he she he said she had enough money to buy them a ca house cash out. That's how how um, careless he had been. He didn't even know she had the money, and they were living in a very upscale community. So that cash house cost them a pretty penny. I can tell you it was a couple of hundred thousand dollars, if not a bit more. You see, that's what can happen when you have a, you know, you're not thinking well. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And that story, I love my piano tuner. Oh my goodness, we, right? Oh, my children will tell you. When he come to tune my piano, first of all, he was he was bona fide, born again Christian after that whole lifestyle that he had lived as a young man. And the youth, youth, the, the glory of youth is strength. That's exactly what the, the Proverbs have taught us that. But the, but the downfall of youth is a lack of understanding. When you have something good, 
and he could play. Oh my goodness, when when he tuned my piano and he turned back around and hit those keys, I would just sit there like I was in a concert. He was good and would never play a whole lot. And I would keep saying, keep playing, but he wouldn't. Those fingers were excellent. He had arranged music for Elvis, King Elvis Presley, right? And uh, he was a phenomenal man. And I really, really, really learned a lot just talking with him. And he was so interesting. But when we have no understanding, we have also no self-restraint. Because how can you? If you don't understand what your plight is, right? We've been told to avoid the foolish. Avoid those people who don't have wisdom. Avoid all of that and save your own life. Guard your soul. Those of you who are here who are young yet and, and climbing that tree, like I told you, the Lord gave me that imagery, right? Be careful. You're going to get to a place where the limb that you think is strong is weaker and it will begin to bend downward. But that's a good thing. That is a good thing because when it bends down, then you start to climb up for sure. This time you can see every true, every true limb that will carry your weight. And trust me when I tell you, that's the arms of Jesus Christ every time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I tell you, it is a wonderful thing to go through God's word. It is a wonderful thing to read God's word. Mm, it's a wonderful thing. Amy K says, I don't like those questions very much. <laughs> Which ones are those, Amy? Um, building your treasures on earth, you can't do it because you can't take them with you. Well, you can, be, you can lay them up in heaven if you're storing up those treasures. They're the ones we want. But this earthly stuff, you know, Jesus Christ told the parable. You can't take them with you. They're not going. The man went out building all these barns to hold all his stuff. Let me tell you, as I'm cleaning out this house, that's what I'm saying. I don't want, I, I was almost going to say, I need to go back. Mm -mm, the Holy Spirit let me know. No, darling, you don't want to do that. You don't want to buy cabinets and, you know, closets, build them so that you can store up more stuff. You do need one big, good closet so you can clean out all of this. Because when Life claims, well, well, eternal life takes me on. I can't take any of this stuff. You know, none of it is going with me. I'm going in with a new wardrobe and it's a wardrobe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then it will be my own because I will be by his work. I will be able to go into his glory to God, honey. Woo, to go into his presence. I'm going to be able to sit there and have dinner with my father. I think I'm liking it really and truly. Whoa, God, I think I like it really and truly. This is good. That's right. These earthly, all this stuff soon passes away. And let me tell you, 
Welcome, Veronica. Uh, God bless you. I'm so glad you're here. We're just at the end of reading through our Proverbs. <clears throat> and Light Touch says, excellent show. Great fun, too. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Blessings to our Lord. Follow you and surround everyone. If you Good night. She's going to bed, you see, because she, she's early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. We grew up on that one, right? And my parents would say, you could be, you can stay as long as you want to, but I'm going to bed. It would be eight o'clock, so you couldn't overstay. You're welcome either. That is another Southern tradition. Oh, yes. A very eye-opening lesson. Amen to the Word of God. And Amy K said, the question about one's education and um, a career and status. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like those questions. I don't answer those questions. You know, I always if they ask them to me, I ask them back to them. I hear their story. And then I said, wow, that is so wonderful. It is wonderful. Really, accomplishment is really wonderful. I have no problems with it, right? But uh, it's just not what I stand on. I stand on my salvation. That's the best thing about Phyllis right now. You know, amen, Sister P. I'm, I'm feeling heaven. Don't need all this clutter, girl. You know we don't. But... Uh, Every so often it isn't it's it's fun to go shopping. I do I have to admit that. But nonetheless, we are we got good sense now. We know. Uh there's a somebody told me, well, no, I think the Lord told me this. Every time you buy a thing, give away another thing, you know? So you're always keeping the balance in 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 what you have. And by the way, I'm looking at all this stuff. I don't even wear I can't wear it, by the way. Woo, can't even wear the stuff. None uh nonetheless, the Lord is helping us and I am so grateful uh for the Proverbs. These this has been good. It's been good and everybody's comments are wonderful. I want you to know you make my sh when I'm here and I'm the reader, I need you like this because you give insight into even what the Lord is giving me. It gets deeper, deeper, yes. And um and by the way, it's good to it's good to smile. Oh Daniel, oh I did I say hello to Daniel. Thank you for joining us. And now that we have dined uh, so very well, thank you, Tony. Oh, how we so desperately need to go back to this good old-fashioned home training. Absolutely. Yes, Tony. Uh, uh, Reem says that good manners speak a lot. They do. You know, good manners will put you in, in big places. People, uh, you don't even know. Even in a world uh, and a society where folks seem to say everything is everything, mm -mm, it's really not. Still and all, when good manners show up, child, I'm telling you, folks respond favorably to who you are. And and, and, and good manners is restraint. You not you say no thank you as, as many times as you, as you can. You still open the car door for the lady. And, and and ladies, you still are very gracious to everyone that we meet. You know, there's grace there. <clears throat> Good manners. It'll it'll make you. Okay. Okay. Amen, Sister P. I'm feeling heaven. Okay. Amen. I receive it every day. Okay. Amen. You just spoke my thoughts. Good manners still carry great weight. They do. They really do. And remember, remember our, our staple <clears throat> uh, proverb that named our series, Apples of gold, isn't that a beautiful? Uh, it's twenty five eleven. I told you we were going to come up on it. Twenty five eleven. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Hallelujah! And with that, we say, "Wow, what a show! God has been good. We have dined sufficiently. 
we go out rejoicing and we thank the Lord. I ask you, Father, if you will, in the name of Jesus, bind every enemy to our lives. Let no arrow that Satan throws our way, God, prosper. Let nothing that he sends to condemn us, Lord God, stand. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you to plant this word deep within us, that it will sprout and grow, God, and we become truly trees of righteousness. You are a phenomenal God. There's none like you, Lord God. And only you do in our lives what you do. We thank you for it. We thank you. We can look back and see from whence we've come and we know it is by your hand and your delivering power. Father, I bless your name. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Have a great night. And by his grace, I'll meet you in the morning. If you can make it, thank you so much for showing up. Hallelujah. Wow. What a show. Ain't he good? Yes. He's so good. <laughs>